Can you believe we have not gathered together as a church in person for 119 days? But I gotta tell you, as a church, you have been the church. Over these last few months, and this is just to name a few things, you have purchased, are you ready for this? 1,113 filled backpacks for kids through Give a Kid a Chance. You did that online and those kids are gonna get those backpacks when they go back to school in just a little bit. You helped provide over 1,000 lunches through Must Ministries Summer Lunch Program and that program's continuing through the summer. You helped provide over 32,000 pounds of food through our outreach partner, Serve International and Never Alone. Over these last few months, over these last 119 days, we have started five new community groups. 11 new group leaders have been raised up. There has been national attention on Revolution Church. Revolution Church people have been recognized locally and nationally in the media for living on mission. We had Mother's Day, Father's Day, we had Easter, those things still happened. So many things have gone on. We spent three weeks leading up to Pentecost on our knees. We've had another season of prayer that started just recently out of Second Chronicles 7.14. 7.14 in the morning, 7.14 in the evening. We've had welcome Zoom calls. Somebody got baptized in a Zoom call and 60 people trusted in Jesus just over the last 19 days. So I wanna tell you, church, thank you. You have done so well staying connected. And as you've probably heard, we are meeting together again soon. This Thursday night, as a matter of fact, at seven o'clock and Sunday, two services at 9.30 and 11.30, you can go to our website and RSVP. I also can't believe we're coming to the end of our time in Romans. We started this a year and a half ago. Paul's greatest letter, R.C. Sproul calls it Paul's magnum opus, which is Latin for great opus. <laughs> no, it's great work. And, and the coolest thing about this all the important things about our lives as believers in Jesus, that's what this is. That's what this letter is. Everything from our salvation in Jesus, why it's important to tell others about Jesus, how we live our lives in light of what Jesus has done for us. So all of that is in here. So as we come to a close, I don't think Paul is gonna end this letter in the same way I end my letters and my emails. I don't put a lot of thought into the end of my letters. Uh, you may get a, hey, feel free to call me if you have any questions. I, I, don't think, I don't think Paul is gonna end the letter. Feelest free to call me if you have any questions. Love Paul. That's not, it's probably not gonna happen. At the end of this letter, Paul does something completely different. Paul throws it down, and he throws it down in the form of a warning. He says, everything, everything that I have told you is so important. I've got one more thing, and that one more thing is watch out. Watch out. Guard what I have told you because people will come into the church and cause division. He says, beware, they will cause division. And he also says, be wise and focus on things that are good. And then he reminds us again, like Pastor Chad told us about last week, he reminds us again to be with people, to be with people who have trusted in Jesus so we can do this together. So beware, be wise, and be with. And that is the title of today's message. Now when I got saved 13 years ago, 
Nobody put their arm around me and taught me how to read the Bible. But we have a system, and if you're in a community group, you already know about this. It's a, a way to read the Bible. It's an acronym. It's called REAP, R-E-A-P, Read, Examine, Apply, and Pray. So this is what we do every Sunday in the messages, and you do this in your community group, and you can do this, and you can pass this along to somebody else. We're gonna read the verses, so what does God say? We're gonna examine the verses. What does God mean? We're gonna apply the verses. What does God want us to do about it? Because that's really important. And then we're gonna pray. So here we go. Romans chapter 16, verses 17 through 24. Now this is right after, as Pastor Chad talked about, right after Paul says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Get close to them. And then he says this, verse 17. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. So that's the beware part. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. So there's the be wise. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cordus greet you. There's the be with. Beware, be wise, be with. You probably noticed there is no verse 24. The ESV version, the English Standard Version, does not have verse 24. Some versions do have verse 24, but it's, it's just a repeat of the end of verse 20, which would be the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So let's pray and ask God to reveal through his word what he means. Father, thank you that we get to open up your word. We pray, Lord, that you would illuminate uh, exactly what you want us to hear in your word. And Father, uh, we ask that you uh, let your word penetrate our hearts today. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Verse 17, here we go. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions. Now, appeal here is a very familiar word. I have shared this word before uh, when I've been up here. Uh, it's a word that you see over 100 times in the New Testament. It's parakaleo, and it is literally to bring into one side. Now, sometimes it's bring into one side to encourage them. This time, it's bring into one side to say, hey, I love you. What I am about to say is really, really important. And he says, watch out. Watch out is a Greek word, scopio. So it's where we get the word telescope, periscope, microscope. He says, watch out. So after Paul talks about all the people he was with in the first 16 verses of chapter 16, after he talks about all the people he did life with, after he talks about all the people he was in unity with, he says, watch out because there will be some who will cause division and disrupt that unity. He says, watch out for those whose mission and vision is not unity. Watch out for those whose mission and vision is division. And if a church has a vision, and somebody in the church has a different vision, you have two visions, and when you have two visions, you have division. Now just for fun, 
What is the opposite of division? It's a math question. That's right, multiplication. And, shocker, what is Revolution Church's vision? To multiply. So there you go, the opposite of division. He says, watch out and avoid. And we've got to watch out because those who are going to cause division, they don't come in and announce it. When we were in Israel back in November, our guide told us the story of a man named Eli Cohen. And from 1961 to 1965, Eli Cohen was a spy for the Mossad. Now, the Mossad is the National Intelligence Agency of Israel. And Eli Cohen, as a spy for Mossad, infiltrated the highest ranks of the Syrian government and Syrian military. He wined and dined them for four years. In 1965, he is taking a tour of military installations in the Golan Heights. So, so picture the northeast portion of Israel. And he had gotten so close to these generals, he could advise them. And it was the middle of the summer, and he says, you know, guys, it, it is, it's really hot here. Your soldiers are out in the sun, they'll get heat stroke, and, and your tanks are right out here in the open. Everybody can see them. You know what you ought to do? <laughs> and I don't know about you, anytime somebody says, you know what you ought to do? That, <laughs> there's your sign. <laughs> but he says, you know what you ought to do? You ought to, you ought to plant some trees. As a matter of fact, plant some eucalyptus trees. Eucalyptus trees, they grow fast. They don't need a lot of water. They'll provide all the shade for your soldiers, and they'll hide the tanks. Well, the generals were convinced that this was a good idea. They knew Eli Cohen. He walked like a Syrian. He talked like a Syrian. He had infiltrated the Syrian ranks, so they planted some eucalyptus trees. Let's fast forward to June of 1967, the Six-Day War. Israel is attacked from all sides, and there was a battle for the Golan Heights. But it took the Israeli Defense Forces less than two days to knock out all of Syria's military installations. See, all they had to do was aim for the eucalyptus trees. The Syrian army didn't see it coming. They didn't watch out. And the warning that Paul is giving here to the church is that there's a real enemy. And Pastor Jason talked about this a few weeks ago. There's a real enemy and the enemy is going to use people to come into the church and divide it. 1 Peter 5.8 says, really simple. I mean, it's pretty clear. Be alert. Be sober-minded. For the enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion. Jesus talks about this in, in John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Paul says people are going to, and we're still in verse 17 here, create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. So contrary to everything that I have taught you, he says. And then he says, avoid them. Obstacles. They're gonna create obstacles, which is a Greek word, scandalon. That's where we get scandal from. So these people are gonna come into the church and create obstacles, create scandal. And it's gonna come in various forms, subtle forms. May come in the form of disagreements about minor issues or preferences. I met somebody in Canton last year and he told me he was a pastor and he told me his church had split, and, and I, I, was, I, was, I was upset for him. I said, what happened? He said, well, a couple people didn't like the music. 
A couple of people didn't like the music and they built a faction of people that didn't like the music and that faction split the church in half. That's what can happen. People can come in with an agenda and let's face it, we all can come in with an agenda and I think we've all experienced that. They may come in the form of people who may be right in their opinion, but they don't go about handling it the right way. They handle it in a divisive way. They may, they may have all of this in their head and none of this in their heart. And they may come in the form of people teaching things that aren't true. And you may have heard the term false teachers. So they come in different forms. So it's really important that we have not only right doctrine, but right behaviors. Because somebody, somebody can have the right doctrine of how to be saved. Somebody can have the right doctrine of salvation and, and totally miss the doctrine of gossip, which becomes divisive. Somebody can have the, the right doctrine of the Trinity and totally miss the doctrine of generosity or, or the doctrine of loving your neighbor. Look, if somebody wants to quarrel about things that don't matter and they don't want to tell everybody about the one who does matter, avoid them. If they're walking around telling everyone what's wrong with the church, but they're not telling everyone what's right about Jesus, avoid them. And avoid is a really strong word. It's the word ekleno. It's the same word you see in 1 Peter. When you hear avoid evil, turn away from evil, have nothing to do with ones who are divisive. So Paul has given us a warning. And now I would like to give a warning. It's not what you think. Let's, let's not hear what's going on here and get a picture in our head of someone and point fingers at them. Let's instead take this time to ask God to search our own hearts, to ask God to search our hearts about what Paul is talking about here. This is a very convicting message to prepare because Satan loves division. And the two things he wants to divide the most, what do you think they are? If you yelled out marriages and churches, you win a prize. Those are the things that Satan wants to divide the most. And check it out, he knows how. He knows how. He knows our game plan. He knows our game plan better than we know our game plan. And he will see unity somewhere, and he will begin to infiltrate. He will divide he sees unity and in subtle and not so subtle ways, he will divide families and churches. He will, he will get into friend groups. He'll use media, traditional and social. And here's the problem. We fall into his trap over and over and over again. Why do we have to be so aware of this? Why do we have to be so vigilant? We have to be so vigilant because of what has been entrusted to us. Let's go back a year and a half to Romans chapter one, what Paul was so excited about, what he was under obligation for, eager and unashamed, it was to share the gospel. That's the message, that's the good news of Jesus, and that's what we've been entrusted with. That's what we talk about every Sunday. That's what we have to talk about Monday through Saturday, and not just to other people. We've got to preach that to ourselves. We've been entrusted with something that has to be delivered. So we've got to beware of anything or anyone that gets in the way of the good news being delivered. And we can't keep it to ourselves. We can't 
hoard the gospel like we hoarded toilet paper. We can't do that. This is so important to hear because when we are divisive and undermine the unity, at best, at best, we put a dent in our influence to share the message of Jesus. And at worst, we destroy our influence to share the message of Jesus. So why would people cause divisions? Well, verse 18 starts out with the word for, which here is a conjunction meaning because. It's affirming what was just said, and what was just said was avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. Some translations say bellies. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. They're not there to serve Jesus, but their own bellies, promoting their own agendas. It's not about Jesus, it's about them. And this ain't Paul's first rodeo with this. We see in Acts chapter 20, he's pretty clear about this. He says, hey, after I leave, fierce wolves are gonna come into the church and devour the flock. And they're gonna rise up from people in your own ranks. Therefore, be alert. It's not just Paul talking about this. God hates division too. If you go to Proverbs chapter six, and this is just an aside, about seven years ago, a friend of mine said, hey, I'm gonna read a chapter of Proverbs every day for the rest of my life. Do you wanna join me? I was like, yeah, let's do it. Now, it hasn't been every single day, but I'll tell you, being intentional about reading a chapter of Proverbs every day has been life-changing for me. So if you wanna do that along with me, today's the fifth, we'll read chapter five. Tomorrow will be the sixth, read chapter six, and so on. August 1st, go back, chapter one. And tomorrow, when you read chapter six, you're gonna see a list of things that, that God hates. Things that he detests. And, and on that list are, are some of the all-stars. Uh, you've got murder, you've got evil. And you also have one who sows discord. One who stirs up strife. Troublemakers. And who are the troublemakers gonna prey on? They, they may not prey on you, because you may have this down. You may be able to spot the troublemaker. Now, Paul says they're going to deceive the hearts of the naive. They are going to stir up conflict with the unsuspecting. And how are they going to do that? They're going to do that with their smooth talk and their flattering speech. And that word flattery comes from another Greek word, eulogia. That's where we get eulogy from. And if you've ever been to a funeral and have seen a eulogy, you probably haven't seen somebody say, let me tell you about Bob. <laughs> Bob was a real so-and-so. No, no, they're gonna say the nicest things about Bob. And that's what the flatterer and the smooth talker are gonna, they're gonna do that too. They're gonna come with their niceties. They're gonna come in in subtle ways and they're gonna be like, I know what the church is saying, but they, they probably don't mean that. Let me tell you what Jesus really means. They might even come at it from the point of view of they have some special revelation about what Jesus said. And when somebody comes and they have a new revelation from God that's not in here, run. Because they don't come in and say, hi, I'm going to deceive you and break this all up. Eli Cohen didn't knock on the door of the Syrian consulate and say, I'm a spy. <laughs> he, he, didn't, he didn't say, I'm here to deceive. I'm gonna really mess it up for you guys. 
So we have to beware. And that is the beware. Now comes the be wise. Verse 19 starts with another word for, and it's used here to say, here's the fact. For your obedience is known to all. So that I rejoice over you. That's a fact. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. See, the church that Paul is writing to here, they had we believe signs out in their yards. They, they actually lived out what they believe. And, and Paul was rejoicing over that. I, I love how John Piper says, Paul was rejoicing over their obedience to the radical demands of Jesus. That's incredible. And, and I love when people say that about revolution people. And for the last 119 days, they've been saying that. They've been saying, wow, they have been so obedient. They have loved their communities. So why is Paul making such a big deal about that? Why is he making such a big deal about their obedience? Well, since their obedience is well known, and in our context, Revolution Church's people's obedience is so well known. We're bigger targets. See, Satan's not going to go after the broken marriage. He's already done that. He's already taken care of that. He's not going to go after the church that's already split. He's, he's already done his dirty work there. No, he's going to go after the good marriages. He's going to go after the good churches. He's going to go after the obedient churches. And, and we're a bigger target. Not because we have a lot of people. Not because we have these really cool buildings. No, we're a bigger target because of the obedience of our people. So we have to know what is good. We have to be wise about what is good. We have, to, we have to know this. We have to be wise about what is in here. And we have to know this so well that we can spot a fake. And the best thing I have ever heard on that subject is from a, a friend of mine uh, named Matt. And he said that when you learn how to spot counterfeit bills, you study the real ones. You study the real $100 bill. You study the real $20 bill. So you can spot a fake a mile away. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to be wise about knowing what is good so we can spot the evil without even dabbling in it. That's what Paul says. He says, hey, be innocent as to what is evil. Don't even hang out with it. Th think about an area of expertise that you might have you're probably able to spot the fake if somebody puts it in front of you because you're so well-versed in that area. Mine happens, and I'm not well-versed in many things, uh, but uh, baseball trivia is one of them. <laughs> so, so if somebody hands me a list of the all-time greatest home run leaders and it doesn't start out Barry Bonds 762 and Hank Aaron 755 and Babe Ruth 714, I, I know it's a fake. We've got to be wise about what is good. Jesus says in Matthew 10, look, I am sending you out into the wolves as sheep. So be wise as a serpent and gentle as doves. We've got to fill our minds with things that are good. Uh, there's a life verse of mine. It didn't start out to be a life verse. Uh, it was 40 years ago. It was 25 years before I trusted in Jesus, but I was going to an Episcopalian boarding school in Pennsylvania, uh, one of the only Jewish kids there. And there was a Bible verse that was the school motto, and I heard it every day for five years. It's Philippians 4.8. Whatsoever things are true. I don't even know what version of the Bible that was, but it was whatsoever things are true. 
You read it in the ESV, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is uh, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there be any virtue, if there be any, anything praiseworthy, think on these things. We've got to fill our minds with these things. Because what if this were taken away from us? Would you, know, would you know what it says so you could spot the fake, so you could spot the deceiver, so you could spot the flatterer, so you could spot the one who's infiltrating to cause division? Would you know when somebody does not match up right behaviors with right beliefs? And how about this? Can others spot us? I think that's a great question. Can others spot us? I hate to use another funeral reference, but I think of this. At my funeral, will there be anybody there surprised? Anybody that knows me, would they be surprised to know that I am a follower of Jesus? Take a second. Think about maybe your funeral. Will there be friends there? Neighbors, coworkers, parents of kids on your kids' little league team? Dare I say social media friends that would be surprised to know that you were a follower of Jesus? Would they, would they hear your eulogy and say, that guy, that girl knew the real Jesus or would they be spotting a fake? See, being wise in what is good promotes what we believe. It's evidence of what we believe. And it prepares us for unity. So I have a list of some ways that we can prepare, some practical things to prepare for unity. We prepare for unity by practicing spiritual disciplines, reading your Bible. We prepare for unity by praying. This is the third time, the third time this year that our pastor has called us to a season of prayer. We started out with 21 days of prayer and fasting. We were on our knees leading up to Pentecost. And here we are in another season of prayer, pursuing reconciliation at 714 in the morning and 714 in the evening. Practice spiritual disciplines. Prepare yourself for unity. We prepare for unity by pursuing humility. If you want to know more about division, go to the book of James. The book of James talks a lot about division, a lot about the power of words, the power of the tongue. The tongue can set a forest ablaze. The keyboards can set a forest ablaze. Our thumbs can set a forest ablaze even gets into what causes fights and quarrels. James chapter four, verse one, what causes fights and quarrels. It's the things that war within us, our passions that war within us. Basically, we just wanna be right. Our pride causes fights and quarrels. But the cool thing about chapter four of James, there's an antidote. There's an antidote to pride. There's, there's a cure for pride. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Unity has no place for pride. We prepare for unity by putting others first, considering others more significant than ourselves, even when it comes to opinions. Yeah, we... we put others before ourselves, not necessarily to agree with them, because we might not agree with them, but we put people above ourselves to value them. We can, we can value them by listening to them. Not a lot of valuing going on right now. We prepare for unity by, by talking to people, not about people and not posting about people. We prepare for unity by counting the cost of not being united 
Because if Satan can get us arguing with each other, if Satan can get us off our game, guess what game he's running? Distraction. If he can get us arguing with each other, we're distracted, and what are we not doing? We're not loving our neighbors. We're not sharing the gospel. Do you think that church that split over music choices, do you think they were out sharing the gospel and loving their neighbors through that? No. So much sideways energy goes on when we're disagreeing with each other. And we prepare for unity by counting the cost of following Jesus. And one of the costs of following Jesus is what Paul says here. It's what Paul rejoices over. Obedience. Doing what Jesus says. And sometimes when we make the decision to follow Jesus, because he said, give up everything, follow me. When we make the decision to follow Jesus, we don't get to do everything we want and we don't get to say everything we want because we have a much greater message to share. Another one of my life verses, Ephesians 4.29, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth or your keyboard or your thumbs, but only such as is for the building up of others. I love that so much. It seems like I bring it up every time. Build up others as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So those are ways to prepare for unity. I think we have to be intentional about unity because we'll miss We'll, we'll miss unity if we're not paying attention to division. In verse 20, an awesome encouragement. It's a promise. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That is so good. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And that is so encouraging. We know that God wins, and we know that when we've trusted in Jesus, we're adopted into God's family. He calls us sons and daughters. So when God wins, it's a family win. It's a team win. And why is that so encouraging? Because over the last four months, some of this stuff has been so debilitating. There have been some days where I just sit and I weep. But this is saying, do not grow weary. Do not grow weary of doing good, pursuing good, becoming an expert in good. Do not grow weary of doing good, for in the end, you will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And that's great news. It's great news for me. I hope it is for you. And check it out. You know, Paul only mentions Satan directly one time in Romans. And what does he say? Victory is ours. We win. He will be crushed. That's why Paul is so excited and eager and unashamed to share the gospel and to take this message. There's a football coach named Herm Edwards. He's famous for saying, you play to win the game. Y'all probably just said that. You play to win the game. Well, check it out. This game is already won. We don't have to play the game from a position of defeat. We don't have to play the game from a position of weakness. We play the game from a position of power and authority, and we get that power and authority from Jesus. And check this out. We don't even have to muster up the strength. He gives it to us. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. He gives us grace for the battle, the new mercies every single day. His mercies are not only new, they're different. And that's good news because I sin today differently than I did yesterday. And I'll sin tomorrow differently than I did today. So I need that new mercy. I'm not done. <laughs> so we've had the beware and we've had 
the be wise. So let's shift to the be with. And this is just like Pastor Chad talked about last week. It's like Paul bookends these warnings and these encouragements with a list of people in the beginning of chapter 16 and a list of people toward the end of chapter 16. Because we've got to have people in our lives that will speak the truth grounded in this in order that we might be united. There's a lot. There's a lot in these last few verses today. Verse 21, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. Remember, Timothy was a Gentile. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. So they're related by blood. They're from the same country, so they would be Jewish just like Paul. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, what? Turns out Paul didn't write a lot of his letters. He dictated them, but his eyesight wasn't that good, so he would have somebody scribe these letters. So Tertius greets you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and the whole church, so he must have been wealthy, must have had a really big house to host the whole church. Erastus, the city treasurer, he greets you. He was a a man of means, and we know that because archaeologists back in 1929, they found uh, a marble stone in Corinth, and it actually said Erastus, the city treasurer, made this pavement with his own money. And our brother Cordus greet you. I want to mention here Tertius and Cordus. They were probably brothers, and, and the the interesting thing there is those are Latin names. Um, I was a Latin major. Uh, it's Latin for third and fourth. So they probably were just the third and fourth in their family. They didn't even have real names because they were slaves. So just as Pastor Chad said, um, you've got a variety of people with different experiences, different backgrounds, You've got Jews and Gentiles and rich and poor and former slaves and free men. So the be with here shows that the gospel unifies all people. The gospel unifies all people. They love Jesus. They follow Jesus. They were committed to Jesus. And when you're committed to Jesus and you're following Jesus with other followers of Jesus, you're a force. And a force is united, a force is not divided. You're a force wherever you go, in your neighborhood, in your school, in your workplace, at your kids' Little League game, at Home Depot when you're buying mulch. Don't laugh, you know you did it. I love what Pastor Chaz said last week. He said, they're unique, but united. This also says we can't be Lone Rangers. We can't do this on our own because the devil has a field day when we are not attached to the body. And if we are united together in the gospel, it is more difficult to separate us and easier to spot the ones who will cause division. So ultimately, how do we unify? We unify around the good news of the message of Jesus. Paul says, beware of division. Be wise about what is good. And be with others who are aligned with the same thoughts about who Jesus is. Because God's whole purpose of sending Jesus God's whole purpose of sending Jesus was to bring us together with him in unity. So to use the beware and the be wise and the be with, beware that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. It says so in Romans chapter three. We've all sinned. And beware, because chapter six says, There's a penalty to sin. Beware of the penalty of sin, which is separation from God, division from God. 
death. Be wise about what is good. The good news that Jesus came to pay that penalty. His death on a cross was payment for the penalty that we deserve. And then God raised him from the dead. Be wise about what the Bible says about trusting in Jesus. It says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, we will be saved. Saved from what? The penalty of death, separation from God, disunity from God. And what's the opposite of being wise? Foolishness. Don't be foolish to think you can do this on your own. I tried that for 45 years. Wound up laying on the floor, alcoholic, drugs, divorced. Don't be foolish to think you can do this on your own because the God of strength and endurance will give us strength and endurance. Because without Jesus, there is division. But with Jesus, you get to be with God. God's plan the entire time was to reconcile us back to him. He is God with us. He is Emmanuel. Yeah, I'm fired up about this. I'm, I'm fired up about the opportunity to be in heaven with God, to see his face like we talked about in the beginning. I'm excited. I'm fired up to see you in heaven. And don't you think God is fired up too? Do you think that he would crush his son and then be indifferent about you being with him? Do you think that he would be indifferent about being in a relationship with you? I think he's gonna be there and he's gonna greet us and he is gonna say, well done, David. Well done, Leanna. Well done, friend. You fought a good fight. This is exciting. But maybe you haven't considered that moment Maybe you haven't considered your sin. Maybe you haven't heeded the warnings. In this context, we've heeded warnings about division in the church. And we've heeded what Paul said about being good, but now we've got to heed the warning about eternal separation from God. So as we pray, if you want to trust in Jesus, if you've been putting it off, if you thought, ah, you know, I, I don't have time. I have been telling my dad about Jesus for 13 years. and he's not well, he's really sick. And I saw him last month and, and the cool thing was nothing was left unsaid. I was not prepared to say this. Nothing was left unsaid from a father-son perspective and from a spiritual perspective. But he said, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to trust in Jesus. I said, Dad, once you're gone, you don't have that opportunity anymore. So if you're putting it off and saying, I've got another day, I just want you to close your eyes and pray with me. And you can repeat after me. say these words, Lord, Father, I, I, I didn't know that there was a penalty to sin. And I recognize now that I am a sinner. And I want forgiveness of my sin. And I, I trust, Lord, that 
that Jesus paid the penalty for my sin and died on that cross and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you save me? You may have just done that. You may have just prayed that prayer with me. The Bible says you are now saved and that brings you back into relationship with God, no longer ununited. And for everybody else, as we wrap this up, we're gonna pray for unity in our church, unity in our communities. But let's remember Paul's warning that he said when he brought the church in and he said, I love you, but I want you to watch out because there's a real enemy. Father, protect us. Help us protect. Help us be vigilant and alert, knowing that the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We know that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. So help us beware. Help us focus on what is good and not what is evil. Let us not even dabble in the evil. And Father, every single day, give us that sweet reminder to be with others, to be in community with others, to preserve the unity. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.